This defense should be, on paper, elite. You know what they say about the game of football and where it's actually played. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. The Steelers return to practice today at 1.30 in the afternoon over on the south side. I'll be there covering that for DK Pittsburgh Sports. And after spending probably the better part of OTA's mini camp and training camp and preseason, paying extra attention to the offensive side of the ball, man, I'm switching sides. I am switching sides. I'm not going to suggest here that everything is perfect and set and ready for Orchard Park on the offensive side of the ball. But I see a whole lot more uncertainty, moving parts, variables on the defensive side. And you know, it's kind of starting to get dark out there. September 12 is the date of the opener. And T.J. Watt still isn't signed. Now, maybe that'll happen today. Maybe it'll be a really big, great, happy day for the franchise, the fans, and everybody else. But we've been saying that for a while now, and he needs to get on the field. Stefan Tuitt's been in a very different situation. A family tragedy has slowed his camp, and... He's coming back at a pace that's acceptable to all concerned. It has to be. But when you're talking about this from a purely football standpoint, yes, it affects things. It affects things. You're also talking about a defense that doesn't have, as I'm speaking to you, a slot corner identified, that doesn't have its right outside corner identified. We can sit here and say that it's going to be Cam Sutton sliding to the inside and James Pierre taking over on the outside, maybe some downs, maybe not other downs, maybe Trey Norwood, maybe a player gets signed once cut-down day occurs tomorrow at 4 p.m. across the NFL and you see a lot of names floating around already as possibilities. Remember, that Kevin Colbert does have cap space. More uncertainty. What about the inside linebacker position? Both inside linebackers come with their own question marks. Devin Bush is coming off, obviously, a major knee surgery. We've seen at times in camp, in the preseason, where, you know, you're not sure he's all there. Maybe he's not sure he's all there in terms of his health, his speed, his quickness, his aggressiveness, his confidence in the knee. Joe Schobert's here. That's really good because he's not Robert Spillane. But Schobert is new. 
And in his limited action, we've seen that it's going to take him some time, and he's only going to be a signal caller. Learning a whole new defense from scratch in less than a month. That's some iffy stuff in that equation. But there's also been more than a few positives along the way. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose how and where to take in these programs, whether it's at Point Park's beautiful downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, or maybe there's a flexible hybrid format that'll work for you. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Positives, positives. There's been positives, too. And the funny thing is, one of the biggest positives is at the position where we had all, I think, been most concerned about this defense, and that, of course, was replacing Bud Dupree. Alex Highsmith isn't going to be Bud Dupree, but Alex Highsmith is ahead of where Bud was at this same stage of Bud's NFL career. And actually, he's ahead by a lot. That doesn't mean they come with the same ceiling. Bud's a physical freak. But Highsmith is doing a lot of terrific things, and he has been, can't say this often enough, the premier defensive performer in this camp. Now, add to that, which the Steelers quite literally did, Melvin Ingram, and Ingram comes in, and he's been outstanding. Not just coming in off the edge, but when he's stunting to the inside, the guy's been dynamite. He's just wrecking plays. That's positive. That's all good. How about Isaiah Bugs? Talk about wrecking plays up the middle. If you didn't notice number 96 the other night in Charlotte, you weren't paying very close attention. Bugs made a lot of things happen. And that was an area of greater need for this defense than I think most might have realized. Not just because of Tuit's status, but also because, you know, Cam Hayward's not getting younger. And neither is Tyson Alualu. And you've got to have depth. You've got to have rotation on that defensive line for it to be effective, never mind holding up over a 17-game schedule. Good for Bugs. Good for him. James Pierre is another one. I didn't mean to gloss over him earlier, and I'm definitely not citing him as any kind of weakness or shortcoming. I was just pointing out that it's an area that's still uncertain two weeks out from the ball flying into the air. And that's not a great thing. But Pierre himself has been good. Oh, by the way, you know who else has been good? Though it doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot of attention, has been Justin Lane. He had a pretty rough start to the Heinz Field portion of camp. But he's made plays ever since then. I don't know if he's seen the light or feared getting cut, focused, got better instruction, but he's been pretty good. And 
These are all positives for this team. These are all positives for this defense. But until those other components that I mentioned earlier all come together, we're not even talking about an NFL average defense unless you get these other people involved, cohesive, and everything else that you need to be. You can't just snap your fingers running up to the week of the game against the Bills and think that you're going to go out there and beat Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and everybody else that's involved in a pretty good, not great, but pretty good Buffalo offense. Need to step on the gas. Need to step on the gas like starting today, you know? When we come back, just one question. time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers. That's a real thing. For over 15 years, that's reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's question comes from Hudson, who asks, It seemed almost impossible for the Steelers to convert on important third and shorts last year. Which addition or additions do you feel can change that this year? Well, I know Hudson from having brought this subject up with Mike Tomlin that if he were answering this, the first thing he would do is bark back at you for ever having implied that it could be a singular thing. When you fail at the level that this offense did in 2020 on third and short, fourth and short, it is a series of boxes that have gone unchecked. It's not just that James Conner or Benny Snell or whoever else couldn't plow through. It's not just that the offensive line was either unable or worse, unwilling to put forth the energy and the fight needed to get that extra yard. It's not just that Randy Feetner advertised his plays. It's not just that the wide receivers could achieve absolutely nothing with those bubble screens that Feetner used as kind of his parachute to avoid calling running plays. The list goes on and on and on. But, but, if you asked me to prioritize what would be the number one thing that'll allow the Steelers to convert on third and one, fourth and one. I mean, my lazy, obvious answer here could be, hey, they drafted Najee Harris. Everything's going to be just fine. And you know what? More often than not, that lazy, obvious answer is going to be the correct one. It's going to be something that 22 does. And you're going to start getting used to seeing the Steelers convert on those. 
and most of the credit, probably fairly, will go to Najee. And that's fine. But my own list, my own prioritizing here, would put Adrian Clem's emphasis on physical play from his offensive line right at the top. Clem, for those who don't know, is the offensive line coach. He is into the job. I don't know how else to put that. He is equally into the notion that this offensive line will be physical and punishing. Now, the bar is really low if you're comparing it to where this group was in 2020, meaning the Steelers' offensive line, not this group. The only real holdovers are Chooks, Okorafor, and four starts of Kevin Dotson. One start from Zach Banner. The rest of these guys are new, and they know what happened. They know the good the bad, and everything in between. They know that the expectation is going to be that they make heads roll in those situations. Now, not all of them are going to be able to do that. They're young. They're going to face opponents that will know how to beat them with techniques, with blitzes, with things that they can't pick up, with things that they can't read. But when James Harrison said, a few years back that football is a simple game. You just beat the man across from you. That kind of applies here. That's what third and one and fourth and one is. You're not going to fool somebody very often in that situation. They're either going to get you or you're going to get them. And the idea, the goal for the Steelers is to do the getting rather than being gotten. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Mm